0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode and a new season of the Do Your Homework podcast. I'm your host, JD, here with the professor, Victor Oloronfemi. What's good, Victor?
1: What's up, guys?
0: And also with El Presidente of the Goalkeeper Union for the Do Your Homework podcast. JLo. what's good, bro? What's uh-huh. up?
2: Ready
0: to get going. First of all, we just want to apologize to our fans. I know we got fans all over from Europe, North America.
1: Millions, man, millions of people.
0: We took a little break due to uh, J-Lo and I's uh, collegiate season with soccer. And Victor had to coach as well. But now we're back. We're ready to go. we refresh and give you guys some great content for this season. And before we start as well, by the time this episode comes out, we want to wish all of you guys a very blessed, safe, and productive Happy New Year. We are going to start with our episode, and it is our mid-season award show. Starting off with a bang. So, we will have different awards, such as the U23 player of the year, the underrated player of the year, manager of the year, goalkeeper of the year, defender of the year, midfielder of the year, forward of the year, and entertainers of the year, which we will explain later, as well as our XI for the midseason. Without further ado, let's get the award show started. We got Victor wearing a nice Versace suit, yellow looking <laughs> very dapper himself too. So we're ready to go. We're going to start with the U23 Player of the Year. Oof. Vic, we're going to start with your nominee. Who do you got?
1: All right, so... My nominee is someone I'm hoping is going to join Arsenal. That's why I'm going with him. It's just tampering, but it's not the NBA, so they can't get on me. (laughs) And there's zero chance you hear this. But my U23 player this season so far is Dusan Vlahovic from Fiorentina. 22 games, 18 goals, 3 assists. Um, The player everyone's talking about right now in Europe is definitely Erling Haaland. That's the forward everyone wants. But in the in the back scenes is a forward that's actually outperformed him this year. Serbian forward, he's 21 until January 28th. And like I said, he's been balling out for Fiorentina this year. Um, they're asking for about 70 mil for him. And he's got um, in the Serie A, which in my opinion is a tougher league than the Bundesliga. He's got 18 goals and 3 assists in 22 games. I don't know if... I don't know if you can top that at that age to score that many goals is is incredible. And for the small chance, he might maybe potentially sign for Arsenal. Um, Dusan Vlahovic is my U23 player of the season so far.
0: All right. I guess I'll go next because my U23 player of the year nominee Dusan Vahovich.
1: Yes, sir. Bro, great minds. Take a like. Well done, well done.
0: The only difference is I would not advise him to go to Arsenal. Instead, I would advise <laughs> him to come to Rosaneri at AC Milan, where he can thrive and give Zlatan less minutes at the age of 40.
1: No, no, no. The saying is, I came, I saw, I conquered. It's not, I came, I saw, I conquered, and then stayed. He's already conquered the Serie A next move. Go find yourself a new league. Come to the Premier League. Come take over a team like Arsenal, bang him some goals. Maybe stay five, six years, then conquer England, go to another league. You can't stay in the Serie A. That's how I see it, at least.
2: He, he could take over a team like Chelsea. They might need a
0: striker soon. Okay. Any Anywho, before Jake starts his Chelsea malarkey, the reason why I picked Dusan Vlahovic, besides the goal scoring ability and he's the one of the hottest prospects in Europe right now, as Victor mentioned earlier. The man broke a record no one ever thought would be broken in the Serie A since Cristiano Ronaldo left, which is having the most goals in a calendar year with 33 goals this season. And we're talking about this man's a great finisher. How about this? He's in the 90th percentile for non-pen goals per 90, with 0.58 this season. j who you got?
2: U-23, in my opinion, it's too old. Some people aren't even youngsters at that point anymore, so I'm picking a real youngster. I'm picking a true Rolls-Royce in the making. Everybody, when they talk about Dortmund, they like to talk about Erling Haaland. My U-23 player of the year is Jude Bellingham. If you go on hey. Football Reference... There You only see green. This guy is in the 90 percentiles of, like, every single statistic that there is in this game. Assists, expected assists, non-penalty expected goals, non-penalty expected goals plus expected assists, dribbles completed, touches, progressive passes, pressures, blocks as well. He does everything. At the back, to the front, he does everything. He has two goals already this season. He has five assists. He's all. He's done that all on... Let's see what his XG is, too. That's pretty low.
1: And how old is he? Expected
2: assist is low. He's 18. He's 18 in 180 days right now. This guy, if he's not a Rolls Royce already, I mean, this guy could realistically be my U23 player for the next, what, five years? And that's why I don't really like the U23 thing, because people like Jude Bellingham just make it so ridiculous. So I wanted to pick somebody on the lower spectrum, because a lot of, I mean, to be fair, a lot of the people in my team of the year... Are you 23? I would say probably three or four of them are. So it's hard. It's hard just to pick one. So I went with the youngest one,
0: and that's Jude Bellingham.
1: We're big Jude Bellingham fans here, too, by the way, so I can't. I can't be mad at that.
0: Let's transition into the underrated player of the year. This time, Jake, we're going to start with you.
2: Perfect. So – I'm actually going to shout out Vic for this one because he's the one that pointed this guy out to me. You guys know me. I pick a goalkeeper every year for underrated. Last year, I picked Carl Barlow. He was having a really good year. He was helping keep Newcastle up. This year, I'm picking another goalkeeper, and my goalkeeper is Jose Sa.
1: Uh-huh. No one
2: no one is talking about Jose Sa this year. A lot of people like to talk about Ramsdale. Don't worry. Yeah. Ramsdale deserves his credit. Everybody should, should praise Ramsdale for what he's doing. De Gea. He might be underrated again at this point because people – I mean, a few months ago he wasn't even playing for Spain. Now of a sudden he might be in people's team of the seasons. But look at Jose Sa. Post-goals expected – or post-expected goals, like per shot, whatever this stat is, there's like a billion words in the stat. Basically, is this guy more likely to keep the ball out of the net than let it go into the net? He's in the 91st percentile for it. Goals against. He lets in below one goal for every single game Wolves play. He's in the 88th percentile. The 99th percentile, when you click on save percentage, Jose Sa is the guy that comes up. That's not something you would think about when you think about Jose Sa. When they lost Rui Patricio, a lot of people were freaking out. They're like, oh, of course they brought in Jose Sa. He's just some other Portuguese dude. He's the next Portuguese guy in line. Is he going to be as good as Rui Patricio? Who knows? Right now he's playing better than Rui Patricio ever did at Wolves, and he's doing it by a pretty large margin which is really impressive. So far, a big reason Wolves are 8th place. Their expected goals against right now are 23.36, and they have let in 14. So they are achieving – they have let in 10 goals less than what they're expected to let in, which is extremely impressive. Sometimes looking at that doesn't always tell the whole story for the goalkeeper, but when you look at those other stats that I just talked about, clearly Jose Saa's. Basically, the main contributor for that reason.
1: I knew you were going to go goalkeeper on that. If you could go goalkeeper for all of these things, you would. Forward of the I year, wouldn't. goalkeeper, midfield of the year,
2: would be a goalkeeper. I wouldn't. I can't pick a goalie to win the Ballon d'Or. No one. No one has that kind of resume right now.
1: <laughs> My underrated player of the year is Emmanuel Bonaventure Dennis from Watford. It's the most. A Nigerian-Nigerian name I've ever heard, but uh, Emmanuel Dennis has been balling this year. Watford are in 17th place in the Premier League, which you might go, how's a guy who's having an underrated season playing for a club that's in 17th place? Well, I'll tell you that because he's the reason they're in 17th place and not dead bottom of the Premier League table. So far, this guy has eight goals and five assists in 16 games. That's 13 goal contributions in 16 games. Watford as a team has scored 22 on a year he's been responsible for 13 of those 22 goals take him out of the lineup and Watford is just struggling even worse than they are and this is a guy now that's tied for fourth in the Premier League in goals came into the season no one thought he would have a year like this he scored big goals against the likes of United this is this is promise is a promising striker I'm guessing He's probably going to try to leave in January. Might be difficult with the African Nations Cup. Might leave after the season based on what happens with Watford. But so far this year, statistically, you can't make a case that this guy doesn't deserve the underrated player of the year for me. And as a bonus, he is
0: Nigerian. So We all expected from the guys at the podcast, we knew Vic was going to pick a Nigerian player. I so.
1: <laughs> had to, you know. No, on, no, no, no surprise. If I, if I could find someone from star to put in this, you, you know I would. It's coming one day, but not yet.
0: All right. So I guess it's my turn now to tell the world who is my underrated player of the year. And I know the guys are going to get on me for this because I did give a criteria, say, pick out of the big five European leagues. And I totally discard discard that because... Bro,
1: why would you make a... That was you. You said that and you can't even follow it. How are you making rules you can't follow? I'm
2: kind of intrigued to see what he's going to say. Like, I'm intrigued too, but like... It's going to be from like Albania
1: or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not from Albania. I feel like this guy deserves some credit because when he was in the Premier League, people were bashing him, considering him a flop because he was his club's record signing, and I knew he had the talent. I knew he had the ability to show what he's capable of doing ever since he was in the Bundesliga and in the Eredivisie the first time around. Yep. Now he's back at the Eredivisie at the best club in Holland, and it is Sebastian Holler. Let me tell you why he's my underrated player of the year. Sebastian Holler this season. Has 22 goals and six assists in 23 games. He is top, he's a top five goal scorer in Europe. This man has broken two Champions League records in his first season playing in the Champions League. He's the fastest player to reach 10 goals, that is six games. The last person who reached 10 goals the fastest was Erling Holland in eight games. All right. He's the second player to score in every group stage game. You know how hard that is to score in every group stage game, all six games? Who was the last person to do that? No other than one of the best players to ever play this game, Cristiano Ronaldo. And with that being said, Sebastian Haller, with all his goal scoring abilities, has guided Ajax to finish first in their group, which I don't think many people expected. Watch out in the second half of the season for Sebastian Haller. Let's see if he can take Ajax all the way to the latter stage of the championship. All
1: right, guys. Um, I want you to disregard everything he just said because he didn't follow the rules <laughs> of the nominations. He said big five leagues. He came up with it and he went with, to be fair, that's a solid, that's a solid day. I, I can't even be mad at that. That's pretty, that's pretty solid. I
2: think if Go I ahead. pick someone from Ajax, he would, he would have been like the fourth, though. Uh, just because I you? just just because I think like what Holler brings to that team isn't as important as other stuff. Just because I feel like his xG is really high, I, I can't find him anywhere. But I feel like the chances that they're creating for him, he should be scoring. A,
1: a, a Who's you, who would you have went with, Andre Onana?
2: I, I can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing again he's playing again actually he <laughs> yeah he is but isn't he he's
1: gonna leave I think
0: actually. he's gonna leave he's gonna go yeah. to Inter
1: he's leaving in the summer which is interesting I think they're playing him though he still just wants to leave I think yeah I think he well cause he, he I might,
0: think, he, might and, he might have played
2: like the last game but it, was, it hasn't been long and
0: Inter's I think is gonna get rid of uh, Handanovic and then replace him with uh, Ohana
1: oh and quick quick then on that keep in mind just a quick shout out to FIFA they gave a guy that they said themselves the drug test he failed wasn't necessarily his fault. He just took something he didn't know. They gave him nine months. But if you use a racial slur towards a player on the field, you get like eight games. That's how FIFA's thinking right now. Nine months for an accidental failed drug test. And just, you know, a little slap on the wrist for being, for being a racist. But then they'll do all the kick racism out of football stuff. Just have to <laughs> mention that right there. Concerning Andre Onana, glad to see him back.
0: All right, Jake, who would you have picked from that IX squad? Because I know you're a big, big IX guy. I, probably, probably
2: I just feel like they're they're creating a lot of chances for Halle right now, and I'd be almost disappointed if he wasn't scoring a lot of goals. Because I think there was once time I saw on Twitter that like on one singular match day he had like three times more XG than like Messi, Neymar and Mbappé or something wow. like that. So wow. like he I'm going to see cuz I tried I tried finding his XG. Let me see if that tweet comes up. Yeah, here it is. Cuz I just looked at it. I just read this. So XG philosophy on Twitter. Shout out to XG philosophy on Twitter. Sebastian Haller accumulated over 3 times more XG than Messi, Neymar and Mbappé combined in the in the Champions League this evening. And I mean to be fair, Ajax probably played their group was kind of hard, but they had one team in there that wasn't. Sporting, that wasn't Sporting
1: and Dortmund are two pretty
2: good teams, I'd say. Right, and then yeah. the four teams And was,
0: you and you don't get you don't know what you're gonna get with Besiktas. Besiktas, that's who it was.
2: Besiktas had a tough showing. They literally did not get a point, but they're still. I would argue that's still probably not a very easy game to.
1: Is, is college in. soccer legend Kyle Laren still at Besiktas? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Shout out Kyle Laren.
0: Shout out Canada!
2: Yep, they have two two Canadians.
0: Shout out! Shout out Tuba! I forgot Tuba still plays at at, um, uh, Besiktas. Canadian legend right there. You will never stop. Most caps all time for Canada.
1: Drag him off the field. Nope. Some some good names there. All right, I I like I like where you guys are thinking with, with some of these guys. All
0: right, so. We're going to move on to the manager of the year. And the guys didn't really bash me on the last round or the last award for using a guy who's not in the big five, right? But they're really going to bash me now for manager of the year. I'll start it off. <laughs> I went with a guy. Yeah, he coaches in England. Okay. But he doesn't coach in the Premier League. Oh, that's, that's yeah, that's all right. He coaches in the championship, and this is probably one of my favorite managers. He's only been in charge for his with his team for about a month, I would say. But what he has done in this month is amazing, all right? He is the manager at Middlesbrough, and he goes by the name of Chris Wilder. Yes, you I have heard of this name Chris Wilder before because he used to coach at Sheffield United and brought Sheffield United in eighth place in their first season in the Premier League when many people thought they were going to get relegated. Obviously, the second season didn't go as well as they did get relegated, and he left Sheffield United, but now he is at Middlesbrough, where he took over the boroughs on November seventh when they were in fifteenth place. Six points from the drop zone. Guess what? Now Middlesbrough sits in fifth place in a playoff spot. Three points from second place when this episode is recorded.
1: How are you going to take a guy that's coached eight games? You just like him. It's, hey, it's not your favorite coach. Hey, be. man. What? He's coached eight games. That's not even half of the season.
0: Victor, you know how hard it is to coach in the championship?
1: I know, but eight games,
0: bro. Hey, man, I'm really impressed. I, I don't even think this Middlesbrough side has enough to, to be in, in a playoff spot. To, <laughs> they me, just, to me, it's just, a, it's, it's just a mid-tier championship team.
1: Man, you're wilding for picking a guy that's coached eight games out of, like, 20. Is it 20 they've played in the championship? Yeah, 25 all right come on dog he's (laughs) he's coached less
0: than one third of the season
1: and that's your coach of
0: the year yes from from 15th place almost to the drop zone to now fifth place in a playoff spot
1: yeah but that's the championship bro like the gap from relegation to the top is like what two and a half points (laughs) excluding derby with their rough situation I don't know. I think – what do you think, Jake? you think eight games is enough to get coach of the season so far?
2: No, but it could be enough to get coach, coach of the year at the end of the season. Okay. For sure. And if I, I think if we're predicting if, – if midseason to you is predicting who's going to get it at the end, then I could let it slide. But that's not how I interpret midseason awards because who get midseason awards usually is not at the end of the year who gets the actual award. Like, yeah. they change a lot because I remember looking at my midseason awards – Last season, and I was like, wow, this season changed a lot for this guy. Because, like, all of a sudden, I was looking at this guy like he was in it. I don't have an example. I think it was, like, Tiago Silva because he ended up getting hurt. They didn't have a very good end of the year last year, except for the Champions League. Yeah. So he just disappeared.
0: See? I told you guys I was going to get bashed for my pick. But anyways.
2: I I mean, like, it's not a bad pick, I guess. Because, like, they are doing fine. Just for, like, so you said he came from 15th place to now 5th. Yes. Right now, right now, the gap between fifteenth and fifth in the championship is eleven points.
0: That's a so lot of points, man.
2: It is a lot of points, kind of, but like, and in another way, it's also not a lot of points.
0: I, I guess so. so. I guess I you got a
2: know. Point. In the championship, I mean, I just watched Derby beat who they beat the other day. They beat West Brom, so they beat West Brom last like two nights ago, three nights ago. West Brom's in fourth with forty-one points, and then Derby. That that win made got them to double digits with ten. So,
0: and to be honest with you, I think if Derby actually didn't get that twelve point deduction, they would be in twenty They would yeah, be out put of them the They'll be out of the relegation zone for sure.
1: If they if, could still do it, if he pulls yeah. that off, he's a coach of the year. Wayne Rooney.
0: Yes, for sure.
2: I don't think they will. I don't think it's possible because so three teams. Is it four teams to get relegated in the championship? Three, just three. It is just three. So it's three. Then Reading right now are eleven points above Derby with two games in the end. So he's gonna have to make up he's gonna have to make up still somewhere in the teens of points.
1: Wayne Rooney's gonna lace up his boots, call up some of his old United friends to sign up as free agents. You know, all the big names. Get Cristiano Ronaldo on loan to Derby and they're gonna they're gonna save themselves. Jesus
2: Christ. <laughs> hey man. Remember that remember now that der- clip you did at der- DC United? Derby
1: Derby are going down. It's it's sad, but they're going down. Remember
2: that clip you did at DC United? Ran oh, all yeah. the way back, made the tackle.
1: You can't teach that.
2: Lobbed it up to the other side of the box.
1: Yes. From half.
2: He's gonna have to do field. that
1: for them to survive. I'm telling you, he's gonna have to lace up the cleats. Get get his son Kai Rooney. You you guys you guys follow Rooney, Rooney's son on um social media?
2: Oh how get old is Myers. Kai Rooney now? I
1: think I think he's like twelve or thirteen, something like that. <laughs> really remember. is that old? Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be Yeah, old. that's kinda old. I'm sure I can't say this man's name, but he's done a fantastic job. And Denise, it uh oh, man, I'm trying. I'm trying, y'all. For all for all the Spanish people out there, just please forgive me. Um, Anthony Iraola, I think is how you say it, from Rayo Valenciano.
0: Yeah. yeah. Rayo Rayo Vallecano. Vallecano. (laughs) Rayo Vallecano.
1: Vallecano out out in La Liga. If you don't know who this man is, he took over the club before last season. And last season, they were in the second division. He got them promoted through the playoffs. And then this year, a newly promoted club, And one of the big five leagues, is currently in fourth place. If the season were to end today, they would be going to the Champions League, at least playing in the Champions League qualifiers. If I told you I did that in football manager, you wouldn't believe it. But yet, here's a guy doing that in real life. From newly promoted to little budget to not signing as many players as you probably need to preseason expectations are, you're going to be in a relegation battle, try to survive. And all of a sudden, this man has a team in fourth place in La Liga. I'm sorry, but I don't think it's – I don't think there's a single coach outside of – even if you, if you want to go outside the big five leagues, that's done a better job than that man right now. So that's my that's my coach of the year so far.
0: See? And sorry, is-
1: sorry for butchering his name like, once again. And Denis Ireaola. I'm going to learn how to say it next time, and I'm going to nail it.
0: I feel like it's – let me give it a try. I feel like it's Andoni Araola.
1: It might the Ara? Yeah, that, that could be what it is. Araola?
0: <laughs> we'll, right. But, big shout out to Ryan Vaicano. See, that was going to be my pick, but I had a feeling one of you guys are going to pick him, so I just stuck stuck to my roots with Chris Wilder. Jake, who you got?
2: All right, so I like how you guys aren't picking big names because for manager of the year, you can't just pick the team that's winning the most games. You got to Pick it based on accomplishments. you guys. I don't know if you guys are going to like mine, but mine is he took this club from what I would almost compare a pretty football manager situation as well into a decent spot. They're not really performing that well, but I think he has them in a good spot, and I think they're going to finish the season on a much higher note than what they already are at. So mine is Patrick Vieira for Crystal Palace. And the reason I say this is because we talked in the summer – This team had like 11 players under contract at one point. Now they ended up bringing a lot of people back because they just renewed their contracts and stuff. But this team was in a very tough spot. A lot of people were hating on them. A lot of people thought this team was in trouble, but they made a very good hire and they hired Patrick Vieira. Right now, if you sort the Premier League by expected points, Crystal Palace are in sixth. They 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 have 29 expected points. That's ahead of Brentford, Tottenham, Manchester United, Brighton, Wolves, Leicester, in front of all those teams. They're only behind the teams who actually sit above them, or the teams that who actually sit in the top five of the Premier League right now. They actually have 23 points. They're sitting in 11th. But I think they're going to do a lot better, and a big reason I think they're going to do a lot better is because their expected goals against is really good. Their expected goals against is the fourth best in the league with 20.9, but they've actually conceded 27. That's a very big difference, actually, And a lot of that just comes down to the fact that Crystal Palace's back line isn't really that talented or as talented as a lot of the teams that are better than them, and their goalkeeping isn't as good as a lot of the teams that are better than them. But clearly, Vera has set up a system that can prevent goals on average. And also, he's brought in a guy like Connor Gallagher, and Connor Gallagher is balling even more than he was balling at West Brom last year. He's got a lot of players playing very well, and the squad really isn't that good. He's got some good players, but it's pretty young for the most part. He doesn't have Eze. There's, there's other people out with injuries. I think what what Patrick Vieira has done at Crystal Palace this year is really impressive, and I think they're going to slowly keep creeping up this table more and more every week as that expected points and those expected goals start to even itself out a little bit. I just think right now it's kind of a tough pick. I can't really defend it too much because they sit in 11th place. I just think that the output that Vieira has brought to Palace is really impressive. I just
1: don't think it's showed yet. Anytime you bring an Arsenal legend into a discussion like this, I'm gonna support it. So well done.
0: Yes, I'm a big Crystal Palace fan this year because I love what Patrick Vieira has has done with this roster. Also, Jake mentioned Connor Gallagher. We are a big Connor Gallagher fan. You want you want the biggest Connor Gallagher fan club? It's right here on the D Right, so. Big Conor Gallagher fans of this podcast. Right? We
1: like all those young British, all those young British boys. Well, not all of them.
0: Not all of them. Not all of them. You do.
2: It's usually hit or miss. It's hit you or do.
0: miss.
1: We, had, we had I either know. swing heavy, like we're a big fan, or we're like, we can't stand this
0: player. It's kind of just England, though. Because yeah. Vic does bring up some names and we're just like, okay, bro. Declan Wright. Fowler. Please just shut up, like. <laughs> All right, Declan Rice is a pass. That's crazy. To me. I won't. I won't name some of the players that Victor has brought up before. They we're just like, eh, eh, I don't know, bro. All
1: right, we'll, see. we'll see. only time only time attack.
0: <laughs> time for the award that I know Jake was just mouth watering over. And probably struggling to decide who he was gonna pick. I'm very intrigued to see who he picks because I don't know. I felt this this one was probably the hardest one for me to choose. Again, I'm not a goalkeeper, so Oh, okay. We're going goalkeepers. This this this, this was this was kind of tough for me. But let's see who Jake picked for goalkeeper of the year. Man,
2: because I'm gonna tell you right now, goalkeeper is such a weird, weird position, man. You got people like Ian Oblak out here who, for like the past half decade, if you ask people, casuals, big fans, people that don't really know much about soccer, anybody, anybody who pays any sort of attention to soccer, you ask anybody for the last half decade who the best goalkeeper in the world is, a lot of people probably say Ian Oblak. But now all of a sudden, Ian Oblak's having a tough year. So goalkeeping is hard. And this is a guy that I, I've i I've given him some stick in the past, but here we go. I got to give it to him. It's Thibaut Courtois. Courtois is my goalkeeper of the year so far. Real Madrid have been phenomenal. Everybody get ready for the Champions League final. Real Madrid versus Ajax. It's going to be a really entertaining game. But, yeah, his post shots, expected goals that I brought up earlier, talking about Jose Sa. Thibaut Courtois is in the 90th percentile. He keeps more shots out of the net than he lets in. Goals against, if you click on goals against, who the best goalkeeper in the world is for goals against, it's Thibaut Courtois. If you click on save percentage, there's Jose Sa scroll down a few. There's, there's Teval Courtois in the 98th percentile, 79.8 percent. Clean sheet percentage. He keeps a clean sheet in 45% of his games. That's pretty good. Um, I would actually say it's very good. He plays for a Real Madrid team that, I mean, they're going through a little bit of a rebuild. La Liga's not in a great spot right now. They don't really have a Barcelona to match up with them, but for the most part, it's not their fault that the el clasico sucks now. um i would say that it's it's barcelona's fault. right now on expected goals, his expected goals against like the goalkeeper one, post shots expected goals, i think it's like he's keeping like it's like seven less goals than expected right now, which is pretty insane. or here it is. it's like two. Yeah. so it's pretty it's really good. Thibaut Courtois had a great year saving the ball. He's been good with the ball at his feet this year. He's just doing it all for real madrid. And I remember we talked before, I, you guys made me name goalkeepers that I thought were overrated. And I brought up Courtois, but I can't say that anymore. So this is what it is. But goalkeeper is tough because there's a lot you can go to. Ramsdale, De Gea, United fans love David De Gea again. Like I said, like three months ago, everybody was in agreement that he shouldn't start for Spain. I was in agreement that he shouldn't start for Spain, even though I thought it should have been Robert Sanchez. Now all of a sudden, David De Gea should absolutely start for Spain. There's a lot of good names you can throw out there. But I'm going
0: to control. I was wasn't expecting that.
1: No, I wasn't either.
0: All right. I'll go next. I'm gonna go with the keeper that as soon as you assign, a lot of fans were buzzing about this man, saying like, Oh, we got a keeper now, we're cool. Or some fans were like, Why do we get this keeper? We don't need this keeper. So my goalkeeper of the year is Aaron Ramsdell. If you had told me in August that I was going to pick Aaron Ramsdell as my midseason goalkeeper of the year, I would have laughed in your face because I don't know how a goalkeeper who had a decent year, it was just his backline was awful. Nope. to say the least, how that keeper would turn out to be one of the best keepers in the Premier League this season. I, I don't know if I would if I would have agreed with that. I don't know if I would say like, oh yeah, that's going to happen. I would be a little bit skeptical about it. But fair play to Aaron Though He has, ever since he walked in London, he's put on his big boy boots and showed you what he is capable of doing. Probably one of the best keepers For England right now. Probably should be starting. This season, Aaron Ramsdale has 10 clean sheets in all competitions. He's in the 90th percentile with his saves. And if we show you a highlight of Aaron Ramsdale this season, he has some phenomenal saves, just like the free kick against Leicester. I believe there was one game. There was a Tottenham
1: game where the shot gets deflected. Yes. And he recovers and... Best save I've ever seen.
0: That's that's the one I was I was gonna get to. He's in the 85th percentile for clean sheet percentage per 90. And also, you know, one thing I love about keepers, if I have a keeper on my team, I want my keeper to be good, obviously, with shot stopping, but he has to be kind of like a f- third center back for me or fourth center back if we're playing through the back. He has to be good with his feet. He has to be able to distribute the ball pretty well. And Aaron Ramsdale is probably one of the best distributing goalkeepers in the world as Very he sits true. in yep. the 89th percentile for progressive passing completion per 90. This yep. man is absolutely balling this year. And fair play to Aaron Ramsdale because a lot of people were chirping about him saying, ah, Arsenal just blew thirty mil." On this overrated keeper, look, he got really good at two seasons in a row. How do you get really good at two seasons in a row and you're going to a big six club like Arsenal? But without Aaron Ramsdale, I don't think Arsenal's defense would look that good this season.
1: Uh, You guys already know who my goalkeeper of the year is. Aaron Ramsdale, the GOAT. Aaron Ramsdale, the legend. Aaron Ramsdale. One thing I love about goalkeepers is the very best one aren't best ones aren't all the way there in the head. And Aaron Ramsdale is a crazy man, man, and I love it. There's a video of him doing a chant along with the I think it was the Leicester City fans. Love that. A quote came out the other day where Leeds Leeds fans were throwing, you know, quarters. I don't know what you call British quarters. They were throwing pounds at him. They were throwing pounds at him. And he he doesn't complain to the ref. He just slowly collects him in a pile and takes him to the locker room.
2: Yeah, he put him in his towel.
1: <laughs> put him in his towel and takes him to the locker room. That's the kind of guy this guy is. And, like, he's just – he's loving – He it's clear it's one of those guys that just loves to play. He's one of those guys you call at, like, 6 in the morning and say, yo, like, there's a there's a pickup game. We need, we need one more player to come play you down. And he's like, yeah, like, for sure I'll go. And I, I love guys like that in any position. And then – um josh covered a lot of the stuff for for him i'll just go through my quick criteria because it might sound like i'm just going aaron ramzel because of the impact is out of arsenal and i didn't look at anything else but for me when i look at goalkeeping performance I, I want two things one i want you to face a decent amount of shots so ederson right now is leading the Premier League in clean sheets but city have faced the least shots in the Premier League by far so he's kept the most clean sheets but he's not doing much um, you can say the same with Allison at Liverpool. Um, obviously, the guy Jake mentioned at Real Madrid, Courtois, same situation. Um, newer out in Bayern Munich. So guys who aren't facing that many shots, as quality as it might be, I just can't give it to you if you're not having that much to do. Like, that's 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 just what it has to be. So then if I'm going, I want a guy who's involved But you can't just be involved in, you know, just facing a lot of shots, but giving up a lot of them, but at least you're making a lot of saves. So your saves percentage also has to be high. And right now, that's what you get with Aaron Ramsdale. Arsenal, as everyone knows, as Josh alluded to, people didn't see this kind of season coming for them. And um, rightfully so. And even now, Arsenal still defensively, they're still not as strong as they could be. Aaron Ramsdale has faced a high amount of shots. For context on how many shots he's faced, He's played two less games than Jose saw at Wolverhampton. And we can all admit Wolverhampton are probably a mid to lower tier club in the Premier League based on the roster they have now after they've got lost guys over the years. And um, Aaron Ramsdale's played two less games than that Jose saw and Aaron Ramsdale's only faced three less shots. So two whole games and the difference is three less shots on target. That just gives you context on how involved this guy is. And despite that, Aaron Aaron Ramsdale is second in the Premier League in saves percentage. And to be fair, and it's like, I think his saves percentage is a 79.7, which is absolutely just like (laughs) ridiculous. And then on top of that, like I said, he's facing a lot of of shots. He's making ridiculous saves. And there's probably no better uh, cosign in the goalkeeping world than um, Peter Schmeichel. And in that game against Leicester City where he made that save, and I I think on the James Madison free pit, keep in mind Peter Schmeichel's son, Casper Schmeichel, also a great goalkeeper, plays for Leicester City. Peter Schmeichel tweets during that game, that might be the greatest save I've ever seen. Or I think it was something like that's the greatest save I've seen in a long time. And that's Premier League and goalkeeping legend Peter Schmeichel saying that about a save Aaron Ramsdale made in the game his son was also playing in. That's the kind of form Aaron Ramsdale is in right now. He can seemingly do no wrong, which is a little worrying because he's making some saves where you're like, there's no way you can make that consistently across a whole season. But right now he keeps making them, and I hope I hope that continues for a long time. So Aaron Ramsdale is my goalkeeper of the year.
2: Yeah, I hope it does too. I think it's kind of to compare this to like a player. It's kind of like the season Sun was having halfway through the season last season where like Sun had like... He had, like, 10 or 11 goals on, like, very little expected goals. Yeah. And everybody was just like, this is insane. I, like, how is Son scoring at this level? That's kind of what Aaron Ramsdale is doing right now. Yeah. I also forgot, if there was a mid-season mid awards, Edward Mendy would absolutely be, like, in this conversation. But I think, unfortunately, just for him, Chelsea have kind of fallen off. I mean, he's three clean sheets behind Ederson, one clean sheet behind Allison and Ramsdale. And I think, just to be honest, Mendy doesn't have the resume that a lot of other goalkeepers do, even in the Premier League, let alone the top five leagues, to be – he can be in the conversation, but I don't think he he can win it anymore just because of where Chelsea are at recently, because this is all about form. And right now, Ramsdale kills Edward Mendy in form. Like, he destroys him in form. So, can't give it to him.
0: Who is your nominee for Defender of the Year, Vic? Uh, if you go on
1: his Instagram, Joel Cancelo actually had some guys come into his house, steal yeah. his jewelry, beat him up, got, got a black eye. But luckily, him and his family is safe. Apparently, he tried to fight back, and that's why he got beat up a little. So glad he's okay. But Joel Cancelo has to be my mid, my defender of the year. He's got three goals and seven assists on the year. Um, that's going forward. Defensively, you could argue he doesn't have as much to do with this record but they've conceded only 12 goals in 20. I think it's the best record in the big five leagues. And the most impressive statistic I saw when I was looking at my defender of the year is Joao Kinsella has had 300 more touches than any other player in the world so far this season. 300 more touches. That's an incredible amount of involvement from a guy who's playing left back. That's the kind of season this guy's having. I mean, a lot of times when people think of Manchester City and their playmakers, they look to Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva when he was there and Phil Foden a little, maybe Raheem Sterling at, at his best. But so far this season, everything's going through Joao Cancelo. 300 more touches than any other player in the world. He's been incredible. I don't even think Pep thought he could be this good when they brought him in. And for me, it's a no-brainer that this left back that's having this kind of season... Going forward, and his team is doing that well defensively, has to be Defender of the Year.
0: All right, I'll go next because I guess Vic and I have the same person. Oh, no word again. We're on the same wavelength, I guess. So, yes, Vic touched upon a few things about Joao Cancelo. I'm going to tell you what I am impressed with Joao Cancelo. This man is a beast on both sides of the ball. This man creates like he's Kevin De Bruyne just playing fullback, all right? His individual duels wins most of them. And let me just drop some stats. He's in the 91st percentile for assists and goal creations per 90, all right? You know how crazy that is? In the world, he's 91st in the 91st percentile for assists and goal creations per 90. And he's a fullback. For fullbacks, he's in the 99th percentile for progressive play per 90, which is for progressive carries and progressive passes. We talk about how great he is on offense defensively, which is he's a defender. First, he's in the 80th percentile for attacking stoppages. That includes individual duels, aerial duels, per- pressures, interceptions, I mean, he just does it all, man. That's, how, that's He's playing like a beast this season. He's playing out of his mind. And with all the goals that Man City is creating without a true number nine, I don't think it comes without some of the playmaking abilities Cancelo has. And obviously, he's very influential to City's backline. I wouldn't say he's the reason why they have just 12 goals conceded. But trust me, if he didn't do his defensive duties... Like some fullbacks we like to talk about, we won't name names. <laughs> I will later. Don't worry. <laughs> they would be leaking goals like crazy. But Vic and Nye's defender of the year midseason is Joao Cancelo.
1: Great minds think alike, man. J-Lo. All right. I'm not going to go with Joao so Cancelo. Um, sorry guys, but
2: that would be boring too. So it makes me feel better that I don't want to talk about it. My guy, um, this guy has an entire club on his back right now, and he's about to let it drop off of him. It's not really his fault, but he has this entire club. He's holding it up himself. He's the only guy standing underneath it at this point. And he's about to let it all come crashing to the ground very, very soon. And that's Antonio Rettiger. Without this guy, Chelsea are nowhere. They're, they're, they're done. They're toast. They need this guy so bad right now. I'm going to point to one performance that shows you this. Leeds United. They might have conceded some goals this game. Fine. But this guy won two penalties. He said, listen, these attackers aren't going to create chances on themselves. When they do create chances, they're not going to score them. I'll do it myself. He won us two penalties in that game. Without those two penalties, Chelsea would have lost the leads at home a team that's in, like, 16th in the Premier League. But he won the two penalties, and Chelsea won. That's, like, one of the only games they've won recently. Antonio Rudiger. I mean, earlier in the year, Chelsea had a great – they had, like, an unbelievable defensive record. They have, like, eight clean sheets still. Um, Like, six – like, five or six of them were, like, really early in the year, like, first 10 games. They still, like, expected goals against are eight – or 19, and they've conceded 14. A big part of that's been Antonio Rudiger. This guy has – completely transformed the way Chelsea fans look at him from a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And all of a sudden looks like Chelsea's most important player this year. In my opinion, has to be their most important player right now. And yeah, he might leave, which, which sucks. Hopefully Chelsea can find a way to replace him, but I don't know if they can right now. He, oh, he also has two goals. A lot of Chelsea goals come from their defenders. You could really point to a lot of Chelsea defenders and make cases for them to be a part of this discussion and the later discussion to be a part of like team of the, season, so, team of the year so far because Chelsea's best players so far are all their defenders. And Rüdiger is the one that stands out, stands out the most. So Chelsea's recent performances really haven't been down to defensive issues. That's, at least that's not the way that I interpret it, despite maybe the clean sheets going down. So my guy's Bridegger, for sure. It's got
0: to be him. All right, for all, for all the podcast listeners, you guys are going to start to see this trend, but Jake is a very dramatic person when it comes to Chelsea. He's always complaining that Chelsea's going to be in the Europa League this year and all that. Yeah, I know. I never Chelsea. said that. You hint at it. You'll see Jake will have his moments where he'll he'll, he'll take a shot at Chelsea when it, I don't think it's d- deserved.
1: Keep in mind, he's a he's a Chelsea fan.
0: Yeah. But,
2: but like, it's hard to stick up for this club considering the amount of money that they spend. You guys got to understand that, right? Like, they should be hitting on a lot more of the transfers that they bring in than what they actually do. The amount of money that they spend, I mean, we can go through it sometime. I went through it with Josh one time. The transfers that they bring in compared to the ones that I would call hits, it's a pretty low ratio, in my opinion.
1: It's because you have too much money. There's not, there's not as much pressure to execute on a transfer where you're just like that. That definitely could be a part of it. A
2: year. Yeah, that that absolutely could be part of it. But
1: I don't know. Yeah,
2: yeah it's really I think awesome. we're all dramatic about our own teams. Though. I think that's unfair. You know,
1: I think we're all. Do you take it to a new? You take it to an extreme.
2: I've watched a, a Canadian game, a, a Canada. National team game with Josh, and I've seen how he reacts during it. I only, I, ha, I have a feeling how he reacts during the Milan game. You know what I mean? He, he, <laughs> we we can all be dramatic in our own ways. All right, we can all be dramatic in our own
0: ways. All right, no comment. Time for the midfielder of the year, and Jake, we're gonna have you start at this.
2: I had a really tough time with this one because I had two guys, and it was kind of like the last one, or like. In my opinion, I, I, I was basically going to go like, okay, Concello or Rittiger. And it's kind of the same thing. I'm going to go with Bernardo Silva just because I feel like I have to. I, I, he doesn't – I don't – like, he counts as a midfielder just because of how Pep Guardiola could just kind of play guys wherever he wants him to. So he plays as an eight for City where he would probably play like 10 or on the wing for like any – literally probably any other team in the world. This guy has seven goals and one assist right now. He's exceeding his expected goals by two. His expected assist is 4.6 right now, which is really high in the Premier League. It's probably like top five in the Premier League. And he only has one assist. That's not his fault. I mean, he's setting up the chances City players aren't scoring him for whatever reason. So that'll probably find a way that's, to even itself out too. But this guy, whenever you watch City, if they're if it's possible for this team to have a backbone or some sort of heartbeat, it's got to be this guy. He's just the center of it all. He almost left. And, like, if he did leave, I think city season would still probably be pretty similar because they're just so good. But I think they would be missing him a lot right now if he wasn't there. The way he controls games, creates scores. Obviously, they love to press. They play very high up the field, and this guy has just about as high of a work rate as anybody else on the field despite being – Not one of the bigger guys. Bernardo Silva is a Rolls Royce if there's ever been one. You can shout out a lot of great midfielders in the world right now, but I would feel bad not giving it to Bernardo Silva just because of how much I like watching him play. So I'm going Bernardo Silva.
1: I like that. I didn't want to go someone like Bernardo Silva just because it feels like they're just going to do this five or six midfield. There was a time where, um, Good Gindog- Dogan was getting Ballon d'Or shouts a little last year because he was scoring a ton of goals. And then obviously Kevin De Bruyne is Kevin De Bruyne. You got Phil Foden there. So it's just tough with that City team. It, sh- it feels like a committee. Someone's going to get hot for two, three months, then they'll pass yeah. the torch to someone else. So he has had the best two, three months so far, though, for City, to be fair. Um, well, who I went with, if you told me this team, after winning their league, would lose their top goal scorer and their coach, their head coach, and still somehow be beating the league the next season, I would have said you were crazy. And that team is Inter Milan. And my midfield of the year is Khan. Khan i no glue. I'm, I'm,
0: uh, God, Josh
1: is upset because uh, he left AC Milan for their bitter rivals Inter Milan this summer. And um. Josh wouldn't admit it, but he's had a good season. Again, like I said, if you would have said into Milan, you guys won the league, stopped Juve from winning 10 in a row. Right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take your all-time great coach. He's going to leave in, in in an angry manner. And I'm going to take your top goal scorer right before the season starts and send him to Chelsea. Good luck figuring the rest of the season out. Oh, wait. And I'm going to take your best right back, one of the best right backs in the whole world, and Hakimi, and send him to PSG. Good luck figuring it out. You would, everyone, rightly would have said, there's no way Inter Milan's going to be where they are. They're not going to compete for anything. They're going to struggle. The board obviously sold on the season. They wanted to win the league. They did, and now they're setting up shop. COVID took a lot of money from them, so they want to make money back. But nope, Inter Milan are leading the Serie A right now and what I consider against all odds. That's because of a signing they made in the summer. a con a kind of no Glue right now has goals and seven assists on the year. I think he's he's tied for the league in Syria R with some six ends the season on this rate. That's twelve goals and fourteen assists. That's a double double. That's incredibly difficult to do. It's incredibly difficult to do in a league like Syria A and I think he's been Inter Milan's best player so far this season. And if you're able to have that impact for a team no one thought would be having this type of season, I got to give you midfielder of the year for that.
0: Christopher from Cuckoo is my midfielder of the year.
1: That's a good one. He almost almost won my U23 player of the year.
0: 14 goals and seven assists in all competitions. Can you tell me another attacking midfielder that has this amount of goal-creating ability to score 14 goals and seven assists in all competitions on a struggling Leipzig team?
1: Hold on. It's up to 15 and 10 now, by the way. He must have had a good coach to help him. <laughs> so he's your midfielder of the year. Do you feel some type of way that in both the Champions League, they finished third? Or was it, it was third, right? Yes. And then in the league, they're in 10th place right now. All right, but so to be fair, getting All these goals and assists, but are you surprised it's not having the kind of impact you'd expect for someone that is your midfielder of the year? That's my question. With that.
2: Well, it's not really his fault about the league thing, because I mean, I know we use expected points and stuff like that a lot, but they are third and expected points. They're underachieving massively. So like firing Jesse Marsh, you know, didn't wasn't really that deserved because like, they got a new team. They're trying to fill in all these pieces. And it's just not clicking right now. But the output that they're producing should should be. So I know like technically they're in 10th. And the Champions League, they had some like they were getting kind of unlucky in a lot of games. And Especially I mean they, had, they had PSG they had PSG and City in their group too. And they've finished third where they should have finished originally.
1: But my thing is when we're talking about players of the year, you have to nitpick. You can't use XG anymore as the only output. You have to go. We're talking about the best of the best here. And, yes, you have all these goals and assists, but your team bounced out of the Champions League and you're mid-table in the in the league and your coach is getting fired with one of the best rosters in that league. So it, it makes me think, are he goals he's scoring high-valued or is he getting a lot of, you know, cheaper goals? That And this is just – I'm just – asking, Josh, when you selected them, did that play in for you or were you just so blown away by his contributions that you're elected to no-brainer?
0: Yes, RB Leipzig were struggling this season, but you have to take into the fact that they lost their manager and they lost two of their best players arguably on their team. And Marcel Sabitzer and And to make matters worse, lost those two of their best players to the Giants in the Bundesliga in Bayern Munich. Then you bring in a young coach who this is probably the biggest jobs he's had in his career. Obviously, you have to give him time. And I know. You guys are not used to finishing. Ever since you got into the Bundesliga, it's always been top three, top three, top three most of the time. And then when you had one top five season, you fired your manager, which was Ralph, Ralph, uh, Hasan In your case, I feel like if Chris, if Christopher and Cuckoo did not contribute 14 goals and seven assists, that's 21 goals he's involved in, in all competition. If he's not involved in those 21 goals, I don't know if 5 would be in 11th place. It might have been worse. You know, honestly, I think that's how I see his, his goal contribution. That's
1: fair. And like, like I said, I was just asking to ask what went into that for you. Because I, yeah. I was I was going to name him as my U23 player of the year until I found out he was 24, turned 24 last month. So I do, I do agree with what you're saying. Because if you do watch... This guy's performances, like anytime you can say you played against a game against PSG or Manchester City, and you were the best player on the field, that's that's incredible, and that's that's something he was able to say twice, in my opinion, against those teams in the Champions League. So, definitely deserves it.
0: And to add on to the fact we're talking about his goal contributions, he's in the 95th percentile for attacking midfielders in non-pen goals and goal. Creations per ninety. He's also in the eighty-first percentile for assists per ninety, and in the Bundesliga, he's in the top five for progressive carries. So that's just a little bit on Christopher and Cuckoo. Time for our forward of the year. My forward of the year is Kareem Benzema.
1: Well done. We're linked Rose up again, bro. Hive mind. We're linked up again. Of the same one as you guys.
0: First, Rolls Royce striker, right here. All right, this man's a complete forward. This man is a luxury player. All right, you watch him, it's like watching uh, Cirque du Soleil on a soccer field. This man assists, this man scores, this man progresses play. And you know what? I'm going to stop talking. I'm just going to drop stats for you guys. This man has 20 goals and 7 assists in all competitions. That is leading La Liga in combined goals and assists right now. All right? he's in the 95th percentile with .75 for non-pen goals and goal creations per 90, which is absolutely impressive. And I talked about how well he is in progressive play, which is very vital in Real Madrid's counterattacking style of play. He's in the 90th percentile for progressive play. That is literally what starts up Real Madrid's counterattacks. And if it's Kareem Benzema at the age of 34, I believe, or 33,
1: he's, he's up there. I'll check for you.
0: Anyways, at that age, he's 34, he's wow. 34, On almost the tail end of his career. He's still producing numbers like that. It is very impressive. This is a player who's always going on the radar, especially when Ronaldo is there and all the other Galacticos. But now, ever since Ronaldo is there, he's been punching his weight. He's been holding the team. He's been carrying the team on his back. Kareem Benzema, my Rolls-Royce striker. He is my forward of the year.
1: Jake, were you saying you all say Kareem? I did, yeah.
2: Okay. yeah I mean, I, I, the, the, like There's no one else to pick. I, I think right now... If the Martians come and they steal Lionel Messi away from us, I think the new best player on the planet would be Kareem Benzema right now. I I don't even think that's really that controversial. I know Lewandowski came second in the Ballon d'Or. He had a great year last year. But right now, Lewandowski
1: doesn't – he doesn't touch what Benzema's doing
2: in La Liga in
1: my opinion. So I'm going to jump into the mind of the viewers. And I have a few questions for you guys. That I'm guessing because people are probably listening to this ripping their hair out, going, how is this guy's name not being mentioned yet? And I want you guys to tell me, because I also had Kareem Benzema, and I have my reason for why I left this guy out, but I'm curious to think why you guys didn't have him. Mo Salah. Mo Salah has also had an incredible year. I think he's leading the Premier League in goals and assists right now. I think him and Kareem Benzema have almost identical stats, If I, I almost identical goals and assists. I'll pull that out, but while I do that, was there a reason you guys considered someone like Mo Salah and ultimately said no?
2: Well, I think it's 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 tough because when you when you get into a conversation between people like Mo Salah and Benzema, I think you have to you have to you can't really go eye test at that point. I think you kind of have to start looking at statistics or just different little stuff to try and pick between the two of them. Salah does have more assists. I would argue that he should have more assists. He also has a higher expected assists. But Mosala, when you look at his expected goals, he has 15 goals in the Premier League this year. Yeah. His expected goals are 14.75. Now expected goals so he's basically scored the amount of goals that he should based on the output that he has created himself and other people have created for him.
1: Yeah, cuz there And that's no not necessarily wins. a bad thing. Like but that, for the most the part the goal he scored against City and then the one against That's South a prime
2: The city goal is a prime example of Salah's doing a lot of this stuff himself this year. And that probably wasn't even a very high expected goal at the end of the day either. That probably wasn't even, that probably wasn't even like 0.5 really. But I I don't know off the top of my head, but for the most part, I think Salah playing in a team where they're just creating more for him. Benzema had, I, I think he also has 15 in the league right now, same as Salah. So there you go. Like they have the same amount of goals halfway through the year. And he only has 10 expected goals because Real Madrid aren't. Mm. They don't have the creativity that Liverpool... I mean, he plays next to Trent on his own wing. He basically plays as a striker too. I don't think it's unfair to criticize both of them because I think if you watch Liverpool, they basically do play with two strikers in a 10. They just are disguised as wingers in that system. So I think it's fair to compare both of them as strikers. And I think right now, I think Benzema works with... Less in terms of the system that he plays within, but I mean, Salah, like obviously, I thought of him too. We'll talk about our team of the year so far. I think our team of the year, based on the names we've said, I think our team of the year so far is actually more similar than I thought it would be. And I think our forwards are all going to be the exact same.
1: So, okay, so just to give some of those complete stats, so it's kind of convenient in this case because they both have Premier League and Champions League games played, which you would consider. Or in Benzema's case, La Liga and Champions League. So right now, Mo Salah has 25 games played, 22 goals and 9 assists. And in La Liga, between Champions League and La Liga, Benzema has 23 games played, 20 goals and 8 assists. So Salah does have him beat in goals and assists, but Jake, you brought him some fair points. One, Real Madrid are leading the table, whereas Liverpool have kind of fallen off a little. And then two, Salah is performing as you would expect. Whereas Benzema is, he's having to be a super duper clinical finisher to get some of the goals he has. So that was your reason for most solid. Josh, did you have a reason why someone like, like Le- Robert Lewandowski
0: ultimately didn't get the nod for you? So the reason why I went with Kareem Benzema, because name me some of the players on Liverpool.
1: Uh, Sadio Mane, Alex Rob- Andy Robertson, Alexander-Arnold, Diego Jota.
0: Yeah, yeah And the style of play is just go, 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 some rock star, heavy metal type football. Right? Yeah. Obviously, Salah's going to thrive.
1: Right? Lots of goals, lots of opportunities to score.
0: Now, in Real Madrid's case, Real Madrid's known to be a counter-attacking team, right? Yeah. That midfield for Real Madrid, I would say the average age is probably thirty years old. It's probably older. I'm I'm just I'm just, esti- I'm just est- estimating off the top of my it it's probably thirty years old. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. Okay. For Kareem Benzema to be creating this amount of these amount of chances and just being a freaking beast. All around, I have to give you that. and no one talks about it. Everyone always says Salah or Messi or Mbappe or even Holland, and obviously Lewandowski. But no one talks about how great Benzema has been this season. It's it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I I left. Robert Lewandowski was someone too. It, for me. It, if if I had to give a top three for the forward of the year, it was Benzema barely over and and Lewandowski wasn't really in the conversation for me. I just don't I don't really care about what they're doing in the boots League when it's that easy for them. <clears throat> I saw another video earlier where someone said, if you took Lewandowski out of Bayern Munich, would they win the league this year? And the answer is yes, they would easily. You can't say that about Liverpool or. Real Madrid with Benzema and Mo Salah. and then same reason I didn't even just consider a guy like Kylian Mbappe who's having actually a pretty decent season but when you're playing for PSG and it's in a league like that at the end of the day it's like what are we really talking about here like you're, you're expected to dominate you will dominate if your team didn't have you they would still win anyways I'm more interested in the guys who are doing it in the most difficult leagues at a high level so that's what I was thinking for that.
0: Next award, time for Entertainers of the Year. Vic, we're going to start with you. Who is your Entertainers of the Year?
1: So, you guys, I'm sure you guys have all ran into traffic on a highway and you're wondering what the heck happened. And you realize there was no traffic in your lane inside of the highway. Traffic just slowed down because people couldn't help but look over the other side of the highway where there's a car crash. In this scenario, everyone's finding the car crash, nothing bad happened. But there's just something about looking at like a volatile situation where you can't just help but go, what in the world is going on over there? And that's my reasoning for picking Barcelona. It is a dumpster fire right now. (laughs) <laughs> all right, I all right, I'm I'm going next cuz this is funny. <laughs> cuz like I was I was like Barcelona this year has been an absolutely hysterical team to follow. First you had Ronan. they the surprise like Messi's gone. Like, oh uh, okay. Um I was dumb enough to write an article saying they would be better without Messi this year, but whatever. And then the season starts and Ronan Coleman, they're doing well in my opinion. They're generating a lot of a lot of opportunities, just not scoring them. Right. But Coleman's not a popular guy. You look at him on the sideline. He's got a gruffy face. He's got ex-players who say mean things about him, like Panic and other guys. And he just doesn't fit the Barcelona style of like doing things. So even though his tactical setup is beneficial to the team and it's not his fault, his players can't finish the chances they're creating, they fire him anyways. So then I change tunes and I write an article and say they shouldn't have fired him. Who did they hire? They hire Javi, and Xavi's one of the funniest coaches I've ever encountered in my life. He comes in with like ten commandments of things he's gonna change about like the program. Allegedly, I don't know if this was confirmed, and he's got some funny stuff on the list. Like you gotta, you gotta show up like two hours before ninety. Is, what was it like ninety minutes before?
0: No, two hours before practice.
1: Two hours. Be- oh my gosh, that, I, I,
0: I, I, that's reasonable. I think.
1: It's reasonable, but it's just a lot, you know, like it's oh the it was staff have to be there two hours before. Players have to be there ninety minutes before. Um you the players have to eat at the training ground, forget that they have families and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: that, that one's kinda
1: of- Yeah. There's a there's a curfew forty eight hours before the game, and then Xavi's got videos coming out about him breaking down the tactical setup. Jake being the funny, funny guy in the group that he is, keeps sending us the different formations Javi's come up with for a game. Even though soccer is we talked about it a little yesterday, it's mostly like the formations don't really matter. It's still funny stuff. And he's just saying a lot of stuff to rah-rah rah, rah, rah build things up. And since this joint, Barcelona's been even worse than before. And they're doing it all while Uzman Uzman Dembele came out yesterday. And he's asking for a contract of close to forty million dollars a year, or he's not going to resign. This is a guy that hasn't been healthy for more than two weeks at a time. Um, Sergio so Dest might be kicked out of the out of the out of the program. He's going to take all the Chicago Bulls jerseys with him. It's just like, bro, it's 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 amazing to watch Barcelona beat Barcelona because at the base of this all, they still play very interesting and fun soccer to watch. They still attack with numbers. They still create opportunities. And they're doing it with, like, some of the best U23 players in the world. But it's still an absolute wreck of a team right now. And they still keep losing. And they'll probably miss out on a Champions League spot. And for all those reasons, of all the different stuff going on, the different factors, how funny the team is, how funny the coaches, how funny the players are, Barcelona is my most entertaining team to watch this year. All
2: right, I'm going to take it over after that. I'm going to talk about some teams that I want to shout out. I have a lot of teams that I like to watch in these top five leagues. If I could break the rules, I might pick Ajax. I think they're one of the most fun teams to watch right now, but I'm not going to break the rules. I like the Premier League a lot, like everybody does. I, these guys know I like Brighton a lot. I can't pick Brighton this year. They're not nearly as much fun to watch as they were last year. Plus, there's just there's too many, like, Grand Potter wannabes in the league now. There's so many hipsters. You got Brentford. They might even be more hipster than Brighton now. Um, the one team that I really thought closely about picking, kind of for a very similar reason to Vic, actually, was Newcastle, because I am not missing a Newcastle game the rest of the year. I will not miss one. The fact, like, after this financial takeover, something about watching that team, it just it feels like it means more. Like, if that team goes down, it just feels like it's going to be a disaster, and I think those players know that, and I think Eddie Howe knows that. And they're fun to watch, too. The game against United was fun. I, I tuned in for, like, the second half. But it was fun. Like, clearly those players are doing a lot better with, like, with a better coach than Eddie Howe. We were talking about how Jolinton looked good in, at center mid. St. <laughs> um, Maximin video. was healthy. Yeah, St. Maximin was healthy, and he was, like, doing his thing for a while. They were fun to watch. And it felt like, like the atmosphere in the Newcastle Stadium, you could hear it through the TV. Like, it was fun. Like, that game felt like it meant a ton. And Newcastle played a game like Eddie Howe's like first game, like Kieran Clark got sent off like immediately. And they were up like one nil, and they had to fight like the whole game against Norwich. That game was actually so fun to watch because it it was, it wasn't that entertaining, but like those teams were fighting for their life to win that game. So I don't know, Newcastle, for me, I don't want to miss a Newcastle game for the rest of the year. But my entertainers, if I'm like, if I want to sit down and I want to watch and I want to be entertained, not for like storylines, but just for actually watching the game. I'm going to go the other side of El Clasico. I'm going to go Real Madrid because it is not their fault that La Liga sucks. And it is not their fault that the El Clasico sucks now because Real Madrid are about as good as they always are. Now, they might not have as flashy of names as the past, but a lot of those guys that a lot of people think aren't really in their prime anymore are still balling. Kareem Benzema is. Tony Cruz is still Rolls Royce in the middle. Luka Modric is still fun to watch. And then Vinicius Jr. If you have fun just watching a guy, Vinicius Jr. Vic talked about Ramsdale being a guy that just looks like he wants to play. Vinicius Jr. is out there trying crazy stuff. He's doing rainbows at the corner flag and the game could still be tied. That guy's just out there doing stuff. Yeah, like he's just, he's out there just doing, doing skill moves for no reason. Like it's FIFA. Like, that's just what he does. Oh, and Hazard's healthy healthy a little bit again. We'll see how that's how that keeps up. But if you throw Hazard into that front three, two, they become, like, 10 times more entertaining as well. Just because, you know, Hazard doesn't even have to be the superstar. He can just go out there and beat Eden Hazard like he was for Belgium at the Euros. And the way he was for Belgium at the Euros was at least entertaining. I think their backline has been really fun. I mean, you still look at Real Madrid. They still have, like, five or six, quote-unquote, Rolls-Royces in that team. David Alba's at the back. Courtois is having a great year. It's not their fault. they still got a really talented team. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed watching them every single game that they've played. La Liga might not be the most entertaining league in the world right now with Barcelona where they're at. Atletico are having a rough year, too. But I got to shout out Real Madrid because
1: – it's a fair one.
2: And thank you ESPN Plus for picking that up because now I can watch yeah, that's Real Madrid. Fun. But, but yeah, Real Madrid, I I've had a blast watching that team play all year. And it's only going to get better with Hazard, too. So I'm I'm excited.
0: So when I was going to pick my entertainers of the midseason, I wanted a team full of outcasts. That's why Real Betis fit my category, right? I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite movies to watch, but this is one movie that I could always, like, watch over and over again. It's, It's Dodgeball with, like, the average Joe's and all that. Because oh, yeah. it is so funny watching a team full of outcasts just come together and just be great. Be great when everyone expects you to fail. So, who is similar to this? In my opinion, it's in Ligue 1 in France, in yeah. the city of Marseille. And let me tell you, Marseille has been the laughing stock in League 1 for the past couple of years now because the highest. Marseille could get to is a Europa League spot with Andre Villas-Boas. Andre Villas-Boas leaves because the board is just absolutely crazy. Don't want to spend any money for him to buy any players. So Andre Villas-Boas said, "Okay, I'm out. I'll pack my bags. I will leave." All of a sudden, now Marseille brings in the five foot six pitbull in Jorge Sampaoli. You guys may have remembered him coaching Chile to two Copa Americas. He was also the coach for Argentina in the 2018 World Cup, where he didn't have the best of showings. And also at Sevilla, he didn't have the best showing either. So Jorge Sampaoli kind of fell off. Other guys who are seen as rejects in Europe. Paul Lopez was a goalkeeper for Roma. Just spilling goals left and right. Roma benched Paulo Best to play Robert Olson. Gerson, I'm probably saying it wrong. I know my Brazilian friends are going to chew me out for that. But Gerson was supposed to be the next big Brazilian players, such as Neymar, Kaká, Ronaldinho. He was up there to be the next big Brazilian player in Europe. He went to Florentina. Didn't pan out though he was supposed to. I think he spent time at Roma before that, as a matter of fact. Did not pan out to be the next Kaká like he was supposed to be. Goes back to Flamengo in Brazil, wins a Copa Libertadores, now he's back in Europe at Marseille, balling out. Alright? One of my favorite players to watch. Because this man is a ride or die type of player. He's my type of player. If he sees one of his teammates in a fight. Or if he sees one of his teammates get into a bad tackle, he will fight that player no matter what. No matter if it's right or wrong, he's always there to fight. He's the first player there. That's Mateo Gwenduzi. What a freaking arsenal. What a freaking legend. Now I just talked about these rejects. This team is playing so good that they are the public enemy number one in League Earth right now. Dirty had two altercations with fans just trying to hurt their shows, their best player, the guy who brings people into their seats in Marseille, and that's Dimitri Payet. Early in the year, Dimitri Payet gets into a fight with a fan. As a fan throws a bottle, a water bottle on the field, Dimitri Payet throws it back into the stands, and the fan jumps on the field to fight. Dimitri Payet, to the point where Matteo Guendouzi jumps in and starts fighting the fan, and the game was abandoned. That was one incident. Another incident where the game was abandoned as well was their strict rivalry with Olympic Leon, where the pie's taking a corner kick, and Leon fans are crazy. They start throwing water bottles at Dimitri Payet, finally one hits Dimitri Payet in the eye. Game gets abandoned. And it's just like, wow, you guys really must hate the pie if you're just trying to just kill the man. right? (laughs) That is also very true. He has some terrible haircuts. And to wrap it all together, Jorge Stempoly is a freaking hipster, man. A lot of men just want to play this 3-3-3-1 formation just to look cool and flash and all that. But if you're going to play that formation, you got to know what you're doing. They use this formation to make combos easier passing wise. This will help them dominate possession and control the midfield. And they have done that superbly this year with the help of ball playing center backs like William Saliba, which I don't know why he's not at Arsenal right now. Luan Perez is just playing out of his mind right now. And with the help of the engines in the midfield that without them, I don't think this formation works. And Babakur Kamara, who's a hot prospect right now in France, and obviously a guy i mentioned already, named Matteo Granduzzi. And obviously, if you're going to play a formation like this, you need a little bit of flair, and I know I mentioned him a bunch right now, but Dimitri Payet is playing out of his freaking mind this season. Liguer, people may call it a farmer's league. I think that's false. If it was a farmer's league, Messi would have 30 goals right now, and he's been struggling. But I'm a guy who loves football if I'm going to watch the air, I tune in to watch Marseille.
2: They time. got they got more outcasts than you even mentioned, too. I'm looking at their roster. They got Jordan Amavi. Yep. They got Amin Harit, who just went through the whole Shalka experience last season. Yep. They got Conrad De La Fuente. Yep. Barcelona products, American. They got Milik from Poland. I had no I, idea I, he was even, playing I, there. I, I didn't even mention
0: it. Yeah, yeah I don't that. think he's
2: played yet. I don't think he's played yet, but he's there. And then they got the Turkish Messi, Cengiz Under, who has just – he's failed to really find a place where he could really stand out. So I'm happy for him if he's playing well this year. It looks like he's got four goals. So, yeah, that, that's a funny team to watch play.
1: Sometimes you have to put a team together like that where they all understand that they don't fit in anywhere else, so they'll fit in with each other. And that's what it kind of looks like is going on there. You love to see – I really love seeing stories like that, like Josh was is- saying. If, if
2: the soccer world could have a suicide squad, I think we found it.
1: <laughs> the it's outcasts
2: coming together to
1: be good. Save the world from the money of PSG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those are the those are the real...
2: The heroes are the real villains.
0: <laughs> Time for our last... I don't even want to call it award. I just want to call it recognition for the midseason. And it is our... Best 11 of the midseason. J-Lo, we're going to start with you. What is your best 11?
2: So, at first, I just tried to do it based on who I thought deserved it, and it actually came out to be really even between the leagues. So, I kind of, like, I didn't end up making any changes to, like, try and include, like, more diversity between the top five leagues. So, I ended up with three Premier League players, three Serie A players, two Bundesliga players, two La Liga players, and one Liga player. So pretty even, about, almost about as even as you could get it. The only way I could have made it more even is if I took one of the teams that had one of the leagues at a three and then gave another one the league in, but I didn't want to do that. So in goal, I already talked about him. I kept Tibel Courtois on there. Keep it short and simple. I and mean, he's got seven clean sheets for Real Madrid. He's got one of the best save percentages in, in the world. His clean sheet percentage is really high. Real Madrid have been really solid at the back this year and a big reason has been Tibel Courtois playing above what he's expected to be playing at. João Cancelo, not only is he good defensively, but his output going forward is, I mean, it, it's on a level with attacking players. It's on a level that some clubs wish their attacking players could produce. I mean, if he played for other clubs, he might not even play fullback based on how creative and good going forward he is. So you have to include him in it. And plus, obviously he plays for one of the best defensive teams in the world in Man City in terms of how many goals they concede. So he's in it. Antonio Rüdiger, like I said, he's carrying Chelsea on his back. The entire club's on his back. A few other people might help out here and there, but for the most part, the way I look at it, Antonio Rüdiger is the rock that's keeping Chelsea together at this very moment. And then my only league 1 player is Marquinhos. Marquinhos has had a great year for, for PSG and league 1. I didn't really want to include any other player from the league. There were a few that were close. There are a few other non-PSG players that I think you could make a case for, but they weren't good enough in my eyes. But I think Marquinhos is – he's basically transformed into one of the best center backs in the world at PSG. He's one of the most versatile players. You know, We saw him play defensive mid for no reason under Tuchel, but now he's back at center back again, which is good. My midfield, I, I rewarded Inter Milan with Barella staying in my team. I don't think he's having as good of a year this year as he was last year. And I know that he – I don't think he has much, like, in terms of, like, goals and assists output when I looked. I could be wrong about that. But, I mean, Inter Milan are running the Serie A again this year, at least so far. And a big reason of that is because they have Nico brella on their team. I included Jude Bellingham as well. Wow. Your um, team my, of the year. I included Jude Bellingham so far because I think huh. he's going to keep it up. I think two goals, five assists. I think what he's done for Dortmund, I think he's a big reason Dortmund are in the position they're in. They didn't start out very well, like Marco Rose and Dortmund didn't get off to, like, the greatest start together. They didn't do very well in the Champions League. I think they actually came third in their group. I think they're out. So didn't do the best there, but I wanted to include Jude Bellingham, Ivan Kunku in my midfield as well. Josh talked about him earlier. His output is insane. He has like 20, he's involved in, like, 21 goals of Leipzig's 30. He has to be involved in it. He kind of plays in the front three for him, but I still count him as a midfielder. So I put him as a midfielder. And then Bernardo Silva was my midfielder of the year. Seven goals, one assist. Should have, he's expected to have like five, five assists, but his teammates just unfortunately haven't been producing enough for him to have those assists. And then my front three, we all, we already talked about all three of them. Dusan Vlahovic you could easily make the case for him being the best finisher in the world i think he has to be the best finisher in the world he has 16 goals right now on 10 expected goals so he's exceeding it by six and that's really high a lot of other people well i no, there aren't many people is what i am have to say that are doing it on a similar output the only guy that i can really see is that close is actually from the same league it's simeone simeone has 12 goals from five expected goals or 5.1 expected goals which is better than blah but Simeone is, in, in my opinion, as good as Vlahovic, and I think his team is much lower on the table because he plays for Cagliari. Or wait, does he play for?
0: No, Cagliari. he plays for Hellas Hellas Verona.
2: So he plays for Verona now, and Verona is twelfth, so it's like I'm not gonna reward him over I'm gonna reward Dusan Vlahovic. And then I have Monsala, I think the two, maybe you know, again, if you take Messi off the planet probably the best two players in the world you would point out would then become Benzema and Salah. So those are my, that's my team of the year. I had a really hard time. There's a lot of people I wanted to include. Maybe once these guys go, I don't want to steal anybody from anybody else. So we can talk about some honorable mentions at the end, but that's my team right now. I think center mid was hard, but I wanted to reward Bellingham and, Bellingham and Barella. Cause I think sometimes when you look at center mids, you can be very, It kind of comes down to biases a lot with them because sometimes there aren't really statistics that can show how good a center mid is sometimes.
0: If you take this player off the team they're on right now, it would affect their team some way, somehow. So that's how I went about with my. So, my goalkeeper, I talked about him earlier, Aaron Ramsdell. My back three consists of Ruben Diaz. We all know, if Ruben Diaz was not at Man City, that back line would not be conceding just 12 goals. It would be more than 12 goals. Then we got Fikayo Tomori. England's best center back. I repeat, England's best center back should be on the team sheet every freaking game. Yep. Right? Fikayo Tomori is why AC Milan not is why, but part of the reason why Ace to Milan is at sec is in second place right now.
1: Should be should be Nigeria's best center back, by the way. Nigeria's best center back.
0: You can pair him up with anyone on Ace to Milan's back line. And trust me, Ace to Milan does not have the best center backs right now. We are killing Simeon Kerr. I hope he gets close soon. He'll be off the rest of the season. But we could play Roman Yoli, who hasn't had the best of time lately. Mateo Gabbia, he's not a reliable option. I think Ace Milan fans would agree. Uh, shoot, You could put a rock next to Fikaru Tomori, and he'll still be doing his fair share to make sure Ace Milan is not leaking a lot of goals. And the last player I'm going to mention, he's probably one of the hottest prospects right now in Europe. And he's flying with this team that no one expected to be in the top three in the Bundesliga. Mm. And that is Nico Schlotterbeck. Freiburg are flying. They have one of the best defenses in Europe. They play the most ugly football, ugliest football rather in in the Bundesliga, and that is hard to do in the Bundesliga. But Schlotterbeck is locking down players week in and week out on that Freiburg team. It is hard to get past a 21 year old. Now he has teams like Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And even Man City asking what is the price tag on this line so we can get them on our team. Time to move on to my midfield. I call my wing backs midfielders because their goal contributions are through the roof. So I'll start with my wing backs. At right wing back, it's a guy I mentioned earlier, and we all talked about him how great he is offensively and defensively. Shaw Cancela. We don't need to praise him anymore. We know what he does. Three goals, seven assists in all competition. My left wing back plays for Real Betis. And without him, I don't think a lot of these goals would happen for some of these players like Juanmi. Alex Moreno is electric on that left side for Real Betis. Week in, week out, putting in a shift up and down the field, offense, defense, you name it, he's doing his share. Alex Merino has three goals, two assists, and two center mids. Bernardo Silva, obviously, I think he's the best center mid in the world right now. Or one of the best center mids in the world right now. Seven goals, one assist. Talked about him a little bit. But now, one of the best playmakers in League league. He doesn't play for PSG. He doesn't play for Marseille. He plays for Montpellier and Mopil is in a European spot right now. And his name is Teddy Savigny. One of the best playmakers in league. 1, like I said. Five goals, six assists, just controlling the midfield. Week in, week out in league. 1. Watch out for him in the second half of the season. Now, for my front three, I have the likes of Mohamed Salah, like we talked about, on the right flank. My striker, Robert Lewandowski, who I believe, yes, if he was not there at Bayern Munich right now, Bayern Munich would still win the Bundesliga, but I believe that Bayern Munich challenge shovel and Probably. Where's the goals going to come from? you going to put Mueller there? You're, You're going to put Serge Gennabry? You're going to put Coleman, who's always out injured? I don't know, man. My last player, wasn't a big fan of him, but this season he's earned my respect. I believe that if Real Madrid didn't have this... Brazilian fellow. I don't think they would be dominating the league like they are right now. That is Vinicius Jr. Ten goals, four assists, like the guys were talking about earlier. Just plays in the game like he's playing a pickup game. Rainbows, flicks, megs, crazy snakes. You name it, he'll do it. It's like you're playing FIFA with this man. The counterattacks. Are very useful for him because he can just show his flair. Obviously, he'll either set up Benzema or just pick out the corner in tight spaces. Vinicius is balling out of his mind right now. And ladies and gentlemen, that is my best 11 for the Mitsubishi. So, no Mosala. is my right winger.
1: Oh, Mosala. Okay. Okay. My bad. I yeah. was tripping then. So, for my best 11, um, a lot of you guys named. The guys, our our teams are actually very similar, I would say. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale in goal. No need to say anything about him. Next for me, I think he's the best ball-playing center back in Europe right now. Well, one of the best, and that's Saliba, which hurts to say because he should be doing that for Arsenal, but he's not. He's got the fifth most touches in Europe. Marseille, third in the league. They've only considered 15 goals in 18 games. 93% pass completion, and this is while he's in the 90th, 90th percentile for passes attempted and progressive passes. And I think he's probably the best ball-playing center back. And I swear this guy's got like 99 pace. So Saliba makes my back three. Ruben Diaz, incredible player. No need to say anything more about him. Um, and then I also had Nico Schlatterbeck, 22 years old, Freiburg. like uh, Josh was saying, somehow third. And what I like the most about putting him in is like Josh was saying too, he's more of a, he's a throwback to old center backs. Nowadays, it feels like a lot of teams are sacrificing a true center back to get a ball playing center back. So it's a player who's not as good defensively, but can really pass the ball. So they would just slide him back there and compensate defensively. But in this guy's case, He's one of the most complete combinations of what it means to be a traditional center back. He's fantastic in the air, stronger to tackle, and at the same time, he's comfortable on the ball. So that's a guy, like Josh was saying, he's going to be getting a lot of looks going forward. My two center mids were uh, Bernardo Silva, which I think we all three of us had. Did you have him, Jake? Yeah, it's
2: my midfielder of the year, man.
1: And then I had Kylan Noglu. As my other one, that was my midfield of the year. So it goes without saying I got him. have him in there. My right wing back, this is where I get a little pushback because I'm not too big of a fan of this guy's defensive work. But my right wing back is Trent Alexander-Arnold. I have him in this position because I believe this is probably his best position in real life. But Klopp insists of having him in a defensive position. And I keep sending clips into the group message for these guys to see. Seems like every game. Uh, Train Alexander Arnold would give up an opportunity defensively to the other team by just lack of attention or just not concentration or just lack of effort defensively. But away from that side of it, he's second in the Premier League in assist. He's incredible on set pieces. He scored some incredible goals this year. Outside of Cancelo, he's probably the best fullback in the world going forward. And in a three back system where he gets to be a wing back. It wasn't, I just possibly couldn't leave, leave him off my team. And on the left side, Joe Cancelo, like we all had. And then my front three, Vinicius Jr. on the left side, very similar to what uh, Josh had here as I'll well, go through him. He's an interesting one for me because going into the season, Vinicius Jr. was a guy, everyone remembers a famous clip where Benzema is like, I swear this guy's playing against us. Like he says that and the camera catches it and it goes viral and it's awkward. We're like, there's no end for this guy. Like he's never going to turn it around because for the longest time, Vinicius jr. Was a classic example of the guy who could do everything, but finish. He would beat two, three guys do some incredible stuff and then get in front of the goal and miss Beat two, three guys. And it's time to play the pass, the sweaty pass. And he'll somehow mess it up and the center back will clear. it. That's no longer the case with this guy. He's beating the two three guys like he usually does, but now he's finally putting the chances away, so he's an example of a guy where if you have a player like this in in world football and he's young and he's not putting the chances away yet, learning how to finish and putting away opportunity comes with age for a lot of these guys. It's rare to find guys like Holland and stuff who are gonna score a ton of goals right away. Some guys need time to learn how to finish against more experienced and better goalkeepers. What you should be looking for is if they can put themselves in those situations. And Vinicius Jr. is a perfect example of a guy who spent his first five years as a teenager and young adult not knowing how to finish, but he put himself in those situations. And now I'm very happy to see he's finally putting them away because he got a lot of slack last few years. Now on my right wing, Mo Salah, I think all three of us had him also. Just an incredible, absolutely incredible season he's having so far. And if I'm going to say he's having an incredible season, then I have to put Benzema up front. Benzema, Salah, Vinicius Jr. I think have been the best three players, best three front three players in in football. So those are my front three. And then what I like about my team, looking at you guys is I've got guys who can play in the system. Well, Sauterbeck and Saliba already play in uh, back threes. Um. Obviously Diaz could sit, Ruben Diaz can sit in the middle of a back three. City doesn't use it anymore. They did it a little bit last year, but I think he's the best center back in the world. And then I've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo on opposite wings. Like that's, it's an absolute joke. This is a team that I think could take on any of yours and just absolutely, if we play two, two legs, I'm winning this 5-1. And you get one goal because, we were up three to zero after the first leg, and we started the second game a little slow. That's the only chance you would get. This team's incredible. I know what I'm doing. I'm happy with my picks. And um, I wish there was a way we could we could have these guys compete against each other, but All
2: right. I didn't know we were putting together a team to win games. Yeah. You know I mean? see <laughs> see I, I, together I put a team together to win games. I put together a <laughs> team that I like to call an ultimate team. Cause this is just me putting the most talented team that I can together as possible. I'm not going I, for I, system. I'm not going for tactics. This is, put, this is me playing ultimate team. Right now.
1: I put together who I think based if we're using a three, four, three, these would be the guys that would excel the most in that kind of system based on form. If you we were playing a four, three, three or four, four, two, or another formation with more midfielders, my team would look differently. But in a three four three, this is what I, I like, I like this team.
0: This is why we call Victor the Professor, because everything he has to just see it in the coach's perspective. Just can't be fun for a little bit and just just pick a just pick players, dog. We didn't tell you to pick players to see oh yeah, this team would work so well together.
1: Why are you getting on me where you're the one? Who said big five leagues, and then you're picking championship coaches you've coached eight games and guys who are playing in the Netherlands, breaking all sorts of rules, but you're getting on me? All
0: right, fair, fair point. But, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that is our 2021 2022 midseason awards. We hope you enjoy it. Remember, I'm back. Always do. Your homework.